Oi, oi, and welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast, sponsored by Town & Country Harlow, with myself, Steve Nussbaum. And as always, I'm delighted to be joined by my good friend, South Dan Chum, the bearded legend, the one and only, the daddy-o, he's back. It's Mr Paul Levy. Thank you very much indeed. Buenos dias. Hello, everybody. <laughs> welcome back. This is episode number... 299 and thanks as always to everyone who tuned into last week's show and an extra special thanks to Charlie Paul who stood in for me last week while I was on my half-term holiday getting some much-needed vitamin D. This week we've got a couple of games to, to cover, it's been quite busy actually, there's uh, the ladies, there's the youth, they've been in, in action, it's been very busy and we are joined by a very, very special guest this week, Leighton Orange CEO um, Mark Devlin is waiting for us as we speak. So let's crack on. As we're always, we start with a word from our sponsors. Yeah, so our sponsors are Town and Country Harlow Estate Agents who cover London, Essex, and Hertfordshire. They are run by Orient season ticket holders and fellow fans. And along with the Orient Outlook podcast, have already helped quite a few people now move home. And the best bit is they're for all fans and staff a lovely discount from their already competitive. So if you're thinking of selling your property or just curious as to its value, you can save yourself at least a few hundred quid by giving them a call on 01279 883444 or 07528 471497. Or if you want to contact the team on social media, you can do so on Twitter by looking up T and C Harlow or by getting in touch with Charlie, who can be found at Charlie underscore Paul. And don't forget, town and country, don't just sell houses, they change lives they absolutely do so we are delighted making uh, to invite to, to have mark uh, joining us on the phone now making his orient outlook podcast debut thank you very much indeed for being so patient and and giving up some time uh, for us this evening mark i think uh, we, we just we've got quite a lot of questions as you've probably seen from from social media so i guess just just to sort of jump straight in really you've been with the club a few months now what's 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 been accomplished, I guess, in the first few months from your from your perspective, and, and in terms of what you'd hope to achieve versus what what you have. Well, firstly, good evening, guys, and thanks for thanks for giving me the opportunity to talk to you and to answer a few questions. Uh, yeah, I've been with the club now, uh, getting on for sort of seven months now. Um, really enjoying my time at the O's. Um, it's it's a passionate fan base. Um, Obviously, been through uh, th- been through the mill with the previous ownership and going into the national league, and uh, every match day, uh, supporters always want to have a talk about things, how they can improve, what went on in the past, and so forth. So, I've uh, I've, I've gleaned a lot of information uh, from fans, and uh, it's always good to catch up with them on a match day. Um, one of the things I've noticed about the club, and I think it's it's a cultural thing that um, Nigel and the team uh, get across. Uh, is just that how how engaging the club is and how engaging uh, the board want to be with the fan base and how open and honest. And I think that comes across because the board are always very accessible. Um, and I think it's, it's probably the most engaging club that I've worked at. Um, one of the reasons that... Uh, we, we wanted to appoint Richie is that we explained to Richie that we felt there was a disconnect between the fans and and the um, uh, and the and the club and uh, you know Richie told us that he was very much about that and I think it's been fair to say uh, you know even without the outstanding results that uh, Richie and the players have achieved uh, the level of engagement with the players and um, and the and the fans has, has gone through the roof and that includes when the results haven't quite gone away there's no shying away uh, even after a, a defeat albeit we've only you know, luckily, only suffered one of those. So, I've noticed 
uh, I, I, I came to a couple of games, or at least one game, I think it was, at, uh, before I joined the club, and it was clear that there were issues both on the field and off the field. And the transformation since uh, kind of late uh, February to what I see now on, on Tuesday nights and Saturday afternoons is is remarkable. And uh, and, and credit to, um, to the board for bringing Richie in and then to Richie and the players for everything they've done so far. Uh, no one's getting too carried away, but obviously... We're in a great position. So, um, sorry, I've mumbled on a bit there, but I just want to yeah. give you, you know, sort of my early thoughts. So, uh, some of the things that have gone on, the improvements. Well, there's been, there's an awful lot to do um, around the stadium, um, but we have invested quite significantly in uh, trying to improve the facilities around Brisbane Road. Uh, no doubt, that I'm sure there's going to be some questions on some of the facilities uh, later on. Um, but, you know, from the floodlights um, to improving hospitality areas, uh, the, the board have, have, have backed myself and the team to um, make those areas better. Uh, we're getting our act together slowly but surely off the field commercially with the addition of the digital ad boards and we continue to look for more digital inventory because the club was well behind the curve when I arrived uh, in terms of uh, how it what it had to attract corporate customers to the to the to the club I mean it's important that we have a strong commercial base as well as uh, a strong fan base and, and we look to, to build both of those significantly so we've made some fairly significant steps commercially uh, the team is, is much changed from the, the commercial team uh, when I first arrived people have moved on which has given us the opportunity to bring fresh blood fresh ideas into the in into the building uh, and I'm pleased that the ship is turning very slowly but surely uh, in the direction that I'd like to uh, to see it. Um, we're getting more companies uh, on board talking to us, wanting to talk to us about various opportunities. That was a slow burner um, early doors. I think we, if I'm being absolutely honest, I think we were, we were almost too apologetic about being a League Two club and therefore capping putting a glass ceiling on what we were able to offer people or, or what we thought we could offer people. And what we've got now is a, is a new mindset um, where, you know, we're a very proud club, London's second oldest club, rich heritage. Uh, we may not be one of the, the, the famous London clubs in the Premier League as it, as it is at the moment, but there's a lot to be very positive about uh, Orient, not only in now, but where the club's headed in the future. And, and I think it's been important that certainly from a corporate point of view, we've, we've got out and we've begun to talk to um, our commercial base about what we could offer. And, and the bringing in the digital uh, signage was a very important part of that because companies in this day and age don't, uh, they're not particularly looking to invest and put their brands onto onto static uh, pieces of wood, as, as some of them very affectionately call uh, the standard ads around the ground. You'll see, I think you'll see more and more League Two clubs um, taking the opportunity to invest. But I, I saw what it did for Brentford's commercial um, uh uh, revenues when they were still at Griffin Park, uh, and it and it can, and it began to transform them. Obviously, they've moved on now into a different world. But even at Griffin Park, it made some significant changes. I was keen to see see it come into Orient. Um, the board allowed us to invest in that, and we're beginning to see some really positive returns there. So, investment around the stadium. Uh, there is plenty more. There's some some more coming imminently. Things that also we've had to delay and maybe put off to the next close season. Things like the PA system. 
which is still nowhere near good enough and we accept that. But the amount of money we were spending on the stadium, we have to try and um, prioritise our investment. And the PA system, we're still keen to invest and bring in a new PA system. But it's one of the things that we've uh, we've had to put slightly on the back burner and we're now looking to do that um, in the next close season. We've obviously got into bed with Tottenham Hotspur by hosting their women. Um, and that they've got off to uh, a decent start. The, the relationship has been tough going. They're tough negotiators. But, um, you know, we should see a, a brand new hybrid pitch uh, laid at Brisbane Road next summer. Um, most people would know that as a, a from what's, you know, sort of affectionately called a deso surface, which has got some man-made fibres. It is mainly uh, natural grass, but it's strengthened by um, man-made fibres. That will come in as a as a part of the um, the relationship we've built with Spurs through hosting their women. So there's been lots of positive things, but it, there is still a lo- an awful lot to go and a lot a lot, a lot for us to um, really work on. But you have to do these things with the resources we've got and that we can afford to have. You have to do you know sometimes it's small steps, but always moving in the right direction. Sorry, I've said an awful lot there. Apologies for yeah. monopolising the uh, <laughs> the podcast. No, we love it. The more, the more words on a podcast, the better. It's essentially what we're here to, to bring the fans. So, Mark, you've done, you've done a great explanation of that first question. So, you've talked about moving forward with the resource that you have. So, I guess in terms of what your goals are as CEO of the club, what are your short-term goals and what are your long-term goals? Well, short, short-term goals in terms of we, we, I'm in the process now of, put, of compiling a, a multi-year business plan strategy, if you like, so that we, uh, you do, you, we need to make sure that um, you don't just you don't just go through each season muddling your way through. There has to be a clear roadmap ahead of us over the next sort of two, three, four, five years. We need to have some short-term goals, but also we, I want to know. Uh, and I'm going to commit to paper and bring the board on side with what I think the club looks like in five years' time in terms of the way we recruit players, our training ground, uh, our level of commercial revenues, uh, our season ticket, uh, season card, I should call it, um, numbers, our general fan base, how we use our how we use our database, things like that, where we've brought in a new ticketing system, a new CRM uh, system, which allows us now to... Uh, be much more focused in the way we market and how we can use social media to market to our current fan base and also uh, where we mark potential fans, bring it. I mean, there's masses of potential out there for us. Uh, all those houses being built on our doorstep and then there are more being built within a sort of a mile of, of the club. There are lots of new people coming into Leighton. We know we've got fans, you know, fans that have followed the, year, uh, the, the club for years and we want to make sure we retain those supporters, and we we also need to make sure we reach out to the uh, to the to uh, the potential new fans that are moving into Leighton as the area, like most areas of London, goes through a regeneration and the demographics all begin to change again. So, um, from my point of view, my my uh, job is to it's very simple in some ways. The here and now, it's about controlling our costs. Obviously, you know, like like. Like our supporters, we have to uh, try and ensure that we are um, smart in the way we use energy. We have to be, uh, we've got to be a lot greener and, and, and a lot more uh, understanding of um, our role to, to improve environmentally. And that's an area that we really do need to improve in. Um, and we're going to be looking at ways that we can work with our fan base 
and work with our players, you know, starting to get rid of one-shot plastic bottles, looking at drinking fountains that have fans, if they want to bring, you know, bottles in with them, they can fill up. Small little steps again, but we, you know, save costs, we see what's happening in the future. God only knows what's happening to energy prices and obviously a football stadium, particularly one that's got an old, an old stand, um, can can generate a significant cost if we're not careful. So we're making adjustments all around the stadium to be much more energy efficient, much more environmentally efficient. Uh, I think I've mentioned it before and I've just mentioned it a minute ago, uh, our training grounds for both our academy and the first team, as far as I'm concerned, are not where they should be. And, uh, you know, I'm currently researching several sites, uh, mainly in the sort of Essex area. We want to stay as close as we can to, to E10. The fact of the matter is we need a, a training ground where we bring both the academy and the first team uh, together and the facilities we need on site. You are looking at a, a piece of land that is around 25 to 30 acres to cope with the number of pitches that we would need for, for academy and first team to have a show pitch, all the changing areas, the gym, the medical facilities and so forth. That will in turn help us to uh, retain and attract better players. Um, and it's definitely, you know, uh, what we need to be aiming to do. Again, not an easy process, not a cheap process, but uh, we've got an aspirational board that will um, that I will report into, and I will shortly, probably in the in the side of the next sort of six to eight weeks, be shortlisting um, what I think are the best sites for the for the club to look at, uh, and we'll be, you know, they'll they'll have an idea of what the cost of that uh, will look like as well. But we've as a board we've discussed that uh, the board knows that that's coming and, and that's it at this moment in time that's more key for us than looking at ways of uh putting more seats into brisbane road although we're also looking at that possibility as well or even and you know there i say it, and there is a difference of opinion at the board level about our requirement to move away from Brisbane Road if we can't significantly increase the numbers uh, within the stadium. Um, at the moment, the training ground is a priority. So uh, my job is to, as I say, look at how we'll work with the, uh, the football side of the business. How can we be better at recruiting? How can we be smarter? What are our processes? We have to get ourselves more prepared for when you're doing well. Um, inevitably, clubs will look at our record this year will assume quite rightly that we've got a decent set of players and uh, that what that does lead is that does lead to interest from clubs in some of our players almost certainly we're not out there touting our players but it's a fact of life if you're successful your manager will get looked at your, your best players will get looked at and there's not an awful lot we can do about that because we want the players to carry on playing well and winning games what's important to us is that we're always one step ahead of that what happens if a club comes in for player X, what happens if a club comes in and bids, you know, makes us an offer that we almost feel we can't refuse? We need to we, we need to know what we're going to do to, to bring new players in. We, we don't need to do that when we've made the sale. We actually need to be well ahead of the curve and, and have those things planned and have a process in place that makes us proactive, not reactive, if that's a situation that should ever occur. Um, and we have to accept that that will that, that will happen. That comes with success on the pitch. You look at what happened at Forest Green last year. Their manager moved on. Um, two or three of their best players moved on. And you see the start to the season they've got. 
don't know what their their sort of succession planning was like. They're quite a smart club, but those are the kind of processes which we have to, to put in place. So all of that will come into a, a business plan where I want to see the club commercially, the kind of revenues that we need to be generating. As I said earlier, where I'd like to see the fan base, the match day experience, what can we do in quite a difficult ground to make the match day experience better for our fans? Um, and that there was a supporter contacted me via Twitter last week, so I met him just prior to half-time yesterday in the East Stand, for instance. And I have to put my hand up. I can't think of better expression of it. It is, it, it's all my, it, it is, it's unacceptable. And it was almost like carnage at halftime there with people coming out of the stand and queuing underneath the, the stand itself to queue for refreshments or to get to the, uh, to the lose. Um, it is an old stand, but we're going to, my, my plan is to bring in some specialists who will look at the area underneath there and hopefully come up with suggestions for how we can improve it. Um, we can't, we can't afford to stand still. We want to keep building our fan base and, you know, we want the East stand to be busier and busier and busier. And that means we've got to try and get the facility. We've got to try and improve the facilities. They'll never be ideal because of the nature of the stand, but I'm pretty certain we can make them better and we, we will need, you know, the prof a professional eye coming in, working with us and, and making some suggestions on uh, how we could make things better for our supporters, both pre-match and at half time and post-match, you know, so, uh, um, there's lots to be planning for and as I say it's really exciting to be a part of it and trying to lead it uh, and then obviously it's just helped by the fact that, that Richie and the players are doing so outstandingly well and our crowds are, are rising um, it's, it's, it's very very positive at the moment it's a great time to be involved with the club Unbelievable there's so much going on you just don't, don't really realise it until you hear so, you know yourself relaying off everything that, that you've got going on Um one of the things that we wanted to, or I well, it came up as a couple of questions, and I had it in mind anyway. We've recently changed the way that we announce the attendances at the club, and I must be honest, it rankles my claw a bit, and <laughs> um, and I don't. Uh, well, okay, I, I probably do understand. I probably know the answer you're going to say, uh, but in terms of why we've changed it from actual attendance, which is an actual physical bum on a seat, versus the tickets sold. I know it's a, a thing that the Premier League clubs do, but what's happened for us to change to that methodology versus an actual bum on seat? Can you help me understand or help us understand that? <laughs> well, it is. It, uh, it, it's entirely down to me that I've I've rankled your claw uh, because <laughs> I, I made the change at the start of the season, um, mainly because if we've sold six thousand tickets and we can't resell them, uh, which up until and I'll I'll come back to that point, but if we've sold six thousand tickets but only five thousand people. Um, for whatever reason are able to turn up on the day we still sold 6,000 tickets and we can't resell them we can't um, put any additional bums on those seats mm -hmm. and therefore we've sold 6,000 we've sold 6,000 tickets so why are we why are we proudly announcing to the world that only 5,000 people in inverted commas bothered to come to a game it's it, it, it's a marketing issue as well because I like to I like to see the bigger number uh, I want people to know that the the interest in the club is growing I don't I don't think we're lying because we've, we've sold that number of tickets it's just that as I say season card holders pick and choose their games uh, there's a any sort of number of reasons why people can't come to a game what we're what's important for us so, uh, the main thrust of it if I'm being absolutely honest with you it's just being I wanted I want to 
the outside world to see that Orient is not just get you know when there's only three thousand five hundred people in, but we've sold seven thousand tickets. Well, let's tell people we've sold seven thousand tickets. The fact that only three and a half thousand, for whatever reason, are able to turn up for me doesn't really matter. That that number is always logged in the in the with, with the police and on the um, gate, and we always that number is always with the council because that's the number we have to report on from a, a safety point of view. But from a marketing point of view, I, I per, personally. And that's what I've asked us to do this year, report the higher number. Now, this it's going to change this um, slightly because the move to Ticketmaster, it's taken a few weeks into the season to get this done, but we will soon be um, uh, talking to the supporters and, and communicating that we've got a resale. Uh, we, we can now resale tickets. So if you're, if you're a season card holder and you've bought tickets and you can't come to a game, you will be able to put them on um, on sale, contact the club. The, the club will be able to resell your ticket, and if we do resell your ticket at the same price, um, then uh, uh, the way it will start for this season is we will end up crediting uh, for each ticket sold that's put onto the exchange system and sold. We will put a credit against next year's season card price. So you, you know, it just encourages people not just to stay, sit on it at home either. Give it to somebody, you know, a friend or a colleague or whatever to come and, and actually come into the ground. We want as we want as many people to come. If we sell six thousand tickets, ideally six thousand people would turn up. But every club, and it ranges from ten percent to sort of twenty five percent at clubs. When I talk to other CEOs, have uh, you know some clubs have up to twenty five percent no shows. Um, particularly clubs with very cheap season cards, which make it very easy for people to make a decision not to go to a game because um, there's such good value for money. And that's the, there's the dichotomy. The more you pay for it, the more you're likely to use it. Um, the cheaper your season cards, it's, it's like giving away comp, comp tickets. You give away 500 comp tickets. Uh, and again, stats will show that less than 50% of those tickets will be, in fact, 50% would be a good, um, uh, would be a good result because there's no, you know, there's no value to it. So people look at the sky in the morning. It looks like it could be raining at three o'clock. I won't bother. I've lost nothing because it's a free ticket. So it's, uh, the minute you stick a pound on it, that percentage goes up. Uh, and if you can, you know, charge a couple of quid for it, then the likelihood is people become more and more um, likely to attend the game. So the short answer to your question is, for me, it was about marketing and letting people know that, you know, uh, yesterday um, we announced like, a crowd of somewhere in, I think it was about 7,600 um, with a couple of hundred um, visiting supporters and inside the ground. Um, now I left. I had to leave quite quickly at the end of the game, but I believe that the the actual numbers inside the ground were a, a tad over six thousand. Um, so that gives you, you know, where we uh, where we are. So it's, it's for me, it's a marketing ploy, but it's it's to show the outside world and commercial partners and that that the interest in the club is growing. Because pe if people don't know that, they just look in the newspaper and see a lower number. And a lot of people think, God, they don't get many down the O's, do they? But actually, we've got lots of interest. It's just for some reason, you know, people have been unable to attend a particular game. And I want people to feel that things are moving in the right direction. And we've seen with the attendances over the past few games, you know, uh, some of it's down to marketing, but the main part of it, the main thrust of it has clearly been the results and the some of the football being played by the guys. Um, and the crowds are increasing. And I kind of want the outside world to know that Orient is being successful 
successful at building its fan base. Um, and I also, if I'm really honest with you, I, I, I don't understand why it does rankle your claw. I know probably the club have done it for years, but we're not trying to pull the wool over anyone's eyes. I just want to know proudly that the club is selling this amount of tickets. If people can't attend that, that, then they have their own reasons for that. But we are being successful in selling the tickets. And that, for me, that's quite important. Thanks for your honesty, Mark. I, I really appreciate that and, and, and for being so transparent. I guess the reason why it rankles me a little bit is because historically and, and from, from what we've always known is that an attendance is about physical bum on a seat and it almost feels like there is a wool over the eyes being pulled kind of situation. But I completely understand how, what, where, why you're, you're doing that and, and the interest point uh, that you make is is you know is is fine. Completely on board with with that. That's that's no problem to me. So. Also, a great point about the Ticketmaster resale. We had a lot of questions around that, so you've already picked up on that. So that's fantastic um, to hear. So, bit of a strange two months coming up now, Mark. We haven't actually got any home games in November as it stands, but we've got quite a few coming up in December. And anyone listening to this will be more than aware that there's a World Cup uh, over November and December. So can you tell us any plans that the club have got um, to attract maybe bigger crowds or to get more people through the doors in December? Any plans away? Yeah, well, I mean, you're quite right. It's not been kind to us in November. A bit of a daft um, set of fixtures where, uh, you know, two FA Cup dates and then two long away games. And that was part of the reasoning behind wanting to offer some free coaches is that we're acutely aware that we've just had a run of games that have been fairly monumental journeys. And, you know, with, with train strikes and everything else, we really do appreciate the guys that follow the club home and away, and particularly away at the moment because it is so difficult and the transport has been and the transport system anyone who was uh, uh, trying to get home on Tuesday night if they left it any, late at all the amount of motorway closures um, you know myself and my colleague I think we had to do an extra 50 odd miles or so so it seems like everything's conspiring against uh, your hardcore visiting uh, and travelling support and we're really appreciative of it and that was the reason why we want um, as many fans as possible to be able to get up to crew we want the club we want the team and the, and the club to progress in the FA Cup it's great from a financial point of view it's great from a fan morale point of view the FA Cup to those of us of a certain age and I'm you know I 60 uh, on Halloween but those of us know how important um, the FA Cup is to those of us of a certain age and, and the players still want to do well in the FA Cup and, and we, we should want to go as as uh, as deep as possible into that so we were delighted to be able to do that so that's um, and I'm so pleased to see that the uh, the seats are going so well and that the I think the four coaches now that we're able to put to lay on uh, will be pretty much full you know well probably very early this week I would think so um, uh, yes, the, the the relationship with Spurs. One of the upsides of the relationship with Spurs is we got written into the contract the ability to work with their database and with their um, uh, social media platforms. One of the things I've discovered, uh, and, and you you guys obviously will know this a lot better than me, but I've discovered that there's a kind of a synergy between Spurs and Orient in terms of fan base. I, I've, I've found a lot of Spurs fans who've got a soft spot for uh, for Orient and, and a few Orient fans who kind of uh, don't mind Spurs at all as well but, it, but particularly the other way around there's lots of Spurs fans who maybe their fathers or their, their grandfathers were O's fans they've chosen to follow Spurs because they 
Division One and all of some of the famous names they've had, I guess. Um, but they've all got a soft spot. And you know, uh, recently it was a it was a Spurs fan who actually sponsored the uh, Papa John's game against Chelsea under twenty ones. Um, and again, you know, in speaking to him, he's obviously a Spurs fan. But he's got a real soft spot for Orient through his father, and he will, you know, him and his business are likely to do uh, do more with us this year. So, um, so we'll be working with Spurs because we and we want to we want to be able to attract Spurs fans, Arsenal fans, West Ham fans, fans in London to come and watch Orient because we're going to be one of the few. Uh, uh, games, you know, one of a few matches in London during the World Cup, and we want to kind of become, you know, almost like London's team. Become, you know, if you want to get your fix of football, not only can you go down the Orient, but we're top of the table playing some really good stuff. We've got some very, very good players, and it's worth coming along. And everyone says, you know, it's it is a nice little stadium. It has its it has its problems and its issues, but it's um, it's not a non-league ground. It's a nice, proper, professional stadium where you can come in. There, you know, and and watch a game and have a beer or have a drink or whatever it is you choose to do. Uh, you may have to queue, particularly for the East End. <laughs> but um, you know, it, so we're trying to. We're certainly going to work hard with the uh, with the Spurs fan base as much as uh, GDPR lets us uh, do that to encourage fans. Uh, from other teams to come and follow the team. We're over, uh, during December. I think uh, we had Bradford at the beat on the third. I think of the yeah. December, and uh, that game um, we're going you know, to do a kid a quid offer. So we want to try and attract uh, lots of parents and kids to come to that game. Bradford, a well-supported club. I'd be very surprised if they don't get close. They're doing pretty well. They'll get close to filling their section. Should be another great atmosphere at Brisbane Road, and then the game against Sutton. Um, will be our football for a fiver game, our first football for a fiver game this year, uh, and we already know that that's that there's great interest in that because it's only a few days before Christmas. It's a bit of a family time. It's also a time, particularly in these current the current economic climate, when uh, finances finances are being stretched. So football for a fiver uh, will hopefully encourage as many people as possible to come along and uh, and, and watch the game, and that be Orient fans as well as you know fans from from other clubs so we'll be doing carrying out promotions there and then by the time we play um, Stevenage uh, uh, you know uh, over the Christmas period uh, the, the guys have returned from the World Cup and um, so, we, we, so we've got to run a couple of price-led promotions specifically for Bradford and for the Sutton game on the 17th of December we'll be working because of the relationship we now have with Tottenham we're actually going to be able to work with their 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 database, their fan base a little bit, uh, and we were also doing some more some more sort of public above the line promotions to attract fans from other London clubs to come over Orient and give us their support. And there's lots of reasons to come and do it. As I say, it's not a bad little stadium. Team are doing exceptionally well. I think tickets are well priced, so you know we'd like to encourage people to come over and uh, and follow the team. And if they're only able to follow us for the period of time while the World Cup's on. Our job is then to try and get them to want to come for another few games later in the season, and uh, and hopefully our marketing guys will come up with the uh, uh, with the creative that will will keep people interested. So the World Cup we see as a, as a huge opportunity for us, and it was one of the reasons why, as I say, we did the deal with with Spurs Women. There was the pitch that I mentioned earlier, um, but also the opportunity to create a uh, some kind of relationship here where we could speak to their fan base without it affecting Tottenham in any way. 
way, shape or form. So, um, but we'd like to spread that around the rest of London as well, particularly those clubs that are, uh, as you know, those that are closest to us and whose fans will find it easiest to come over to East London rather than maybe the other side of town. Absolutely, and, and and it's good to see that we've got some decent home home fixtures in in December as well. It certainly helped the coffers, given the fact that uh, November we are bereft of a home game, um, and obviously, like you mentioned, um, well, unless we get drawn at home in the FA Cup at the end of November, but it, it's good that there are some fixtures. There's some important ones in there, like you say, uh, Bradford. Um, at the beginning, and then there's a London, bit of a London derby with Sutton, and then obviously you know Stevenage who are just uh, a place behind us, uh, and then obviously we end that uh, end the month against Newport County, uh, but start the year against Northampton. So quite a busy period over Christmas as well. Yeah, an exciting period, and if I may, if I can just take the opportunity to, um, uh, it's probably. I'll probably get into a bit of trouble over this, but I think it's probably right to say that um, there is some interest, we understand, from Sky uh, to show the Stevenage game um, live over the Christmas period. Um, so we're just waiting for confirmation of kickoff time. Potentially, potentially that game could also move to the 27th uh, as well. So I would ask fans that are, and I'm sure fans will, you know, I'd ask them and encourage them to book, book their seats as, as soon as possible. But for the Stevenage game, I would probably hang fire for 48 hours. Um, the EFL uh, will confirm whether that game is going to be shown for uh, for live TV. Sky um, have, uh, have talked about it as a potential game. So just to be fair to fans so they don't um, make travel arrangements and so forth, Anyone who hasn't bought a ticket for the moment, I would just suggest that they just hang fire for 48 hours and the club will make an announcement as soon as we're able to, uh, alongside the, uh, an announcement from the EFL as well. Really exciting times and we appreciate wow. um, your honesty and some of the stuff that you're already revealing on this podcast, Mark. We obviously are a fan-led podcast. We love engaging with fans. It's what we're here to do um, and we always try and get fans' questions across. Although, in mind, we've already done half hour with you so we're quite wary of that. Um, one of the questions that kept cropping up was parking around the stadium I know you've been asked about it on Twitter on social media we got a few questions particularly from Les LK 52 can you give us any update on any progress you've been able to make with the parking situation it's it's been it's been really slow. I know it's one of the things that, and, and you know, I can see it uh, every every match day. Uh, it, it, I totally understand the difficulties that fans have with the the permit situation in the area. Um, I, we believe that the good news is uh, that uh, the stadium manager is currently engaged talking to the guys at uh, New Spitalfields. It, it is a fifteen minute or so walk, I'm told, away from the stadium, but. Um, we're just trying to find out how many spaces they can give us there. We think it will be, you know, decent number of parking spaces. Uh, we don't know yet the cost, but that does look like we're we're likely to have some positive news on that in the next uh, few days. Hopefully, before uh, before the Bradford game, I would hope because those conversations have started. Uh, Spitalfields have been um, quite positive to our. Uh, to, to our requests and I think it's just a case now of finding out numbers and the cost and then that will obviously lead to us understanding how much we need to charge for those parking spaces so I'm hopeful that within the week we will have something uh, positive there uh, we still it's been very slow progress in some of the other areas um, like uh, like Cricket Club where there were some there were some spaces there uh, but that wasn't 
that was just proving very difficult to get anyone to a speak to us and b agree anything so spillfields is the first real chink of positivity in terms of parking uh, and I, I can only apologize for fans because i know I, you know we have been trying uh, to find suitable sites it has not proven um, very easy but we are determined we know we know we need to find some kind of solution to this spillfields will certainly help um, but we're also looking at any other opportunities we've got in the area um, as well so it's it, I, I apologize for the fact that it's been um, it's been slow sticky pro, uh, progress hopefully some good news to come out in the next week and we are continuing to look at other other opportunities and, and ways we can uh, offer some further parking on uh, match days. I understand that the north side of Leighton High Road, I've, I think I'm saying, I think I've got it right by saying, the other side of Leighton uh, High Road, the same side of the road as the station, the permit situation is, is a little bit um, easier on that side than it is those those areas immediately around Brisbane Road and all, all the way along that uh, Oliver Road side uh, where pretty much it's all you know, permit holders on Saturdays, you know, preventing our fans. One of the, it was a really great suggestion from a supporter was uh, if we would be able to work with the council to find a, um, almost like temporary passes for Saturday afternoons that uh, we would, potentially offered to, to season card holders first. That still remains something that we're talking to the council about. It's, it's one of a number of things we're talking to the council about at the moment uh, to do with both the stadium and, and match days. Uh, so, you know, uh, apologies for saying watch this space. Hopefully there'll be some further news as well as Spitalfields coming out. But that should, we should be able to make some kind of announcement on Spitalfields. I really hope, unless anything untoward happens, you know, in the next 48 hours, I really hope we've got something positive to say this week awesome yeah it was actually les who who sort of tweeted us about that and you've given up my my sort of not so secret parking spot now so uh, i expect to have to, <laughs> i'll have to turn up a bit earlier than normal now um ben whitlock 13 said great to see our growing attendance at the salford game there was clearly adult only groups in the north there was a pair sitting near him who had never been to the o's before didn't spot it's a family stand and with our reputation of being a family club have we got the balance right there was a few other people that tweeted or, or posted um, comments around the fact the North Stand doesn't seem to be occupied by as many children as it probably should, given that it is a family stand. Do you have any... I don't know if there's any ways that you can strike that balance slightly better. Um, technically, you know, adults shouldn't be in there on their own, so there should not be groups of adults. So I'm quite concerned to hear that. And what I've, I've just been writing that down here now. That's something that I will... Uh, pick up with the uh, stadium team tomorrow because uh, that shouldn't be happening. It is supposed to be a bona fide um, family stand. It's supposed to have adults and kids in there. That's where we uh, that's where we want to focus our kids' activities and so forth. It's not, you know, we want groups of adults to go into the east stand or the south stand or, or the west stand. Uh, the north stand is really what we want, our, where we want to nurture our future supporters in a in a, in a sort of a, a family environment. So I'm I'm uh, I'm unhappy to hear that that observation, and it's something that I'll pick up with the stadium team uh, tomorrow and ask. To to see whether we can we can just review uh, the way we operate on match days. Um, 
that there's something needs to to happen there. But I appreciate the fan letting me know uh, or letting you guys know. Uh, I will pick it up with the team to understand why that might be happening. So I, I, to be honest with you, I don't have an answer for that one because it, it shouldn't be happening. Great stuff, great stuff. We've got a few uh, suggestions for uh, commercial revenue. We've got L Hayward saying, can we have an evening with Richie Wellens at the ground to ask him some questions and could you stream it live on YouTube? Um, to which Richie Wellens' his mum replied on Twitter and said Richie would be well up for that. Uh, so it's always nice to hear from Irene Wellens. So thanks for jumping in there. Ben Boatsy also uh, sent us a tweet about a membership um, scheme. So he says he's a member of the Only One Orient membership and wondered if this could be used for, to prioritise home and, away, home and away tickets when demand is high for tickets, i.e. cup games and large attendance games. Particularly for fans who don't uh, live nearby, yeah. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. Um, we've got two. We've got these two schemes: the, the sort of the lotto and the one of uh, one of your own or one of their own uh, scheme. Um, again, being completely candid about it, neither of those uh, is uh, has that many people. Um, involved and, and actually contributing and as, as members of it uh, I think they've just been ignored by the club over the years it hasn't it previously hadn't been a, a priority as we're working through all our commercial opportunities we were just talking this last week about what we can do to do we scrap those plans and do we come up with a new membership scheme as I was walking back from the East End yesterday I was a fan spoke to me and said um, we should look at a 50-50 scheme that is available both on match days and online which lots of clubs have he mentioned something that uh, you know he'd been to Romford Raiders and he, he quoted a figure to me which was quite out you know uh, quite an outstanding amount of money raised by the ice hockey team there uh, on very low tendencies obviously nothing like the uh, the crowds that we get at, uh, at Brisbane Road um, so we are looking to reshape the membership schemes and it's uh, it, it's been one of the things on our Horizon. I met with um, I, I, I met with a, in the absence of the marketing team last week. I had a meeting with a company that have run brand new membership schemes for Aberdeen, Wigan. They're about to launch one with Plymouth. Um, it's a guy. It just happens to be someone that uh, was contracted at uh, at Brentford. Um, they, they were contracted to sell premium seats at Brentford, but this is something else that they do. So we've had a conversation there, and we're waiting to see some commercials there. So I, I think the, the short answer to the question is. We do need a membership and there has to be good value in the membership because you always want a pyramid of opportunities for fans. Not everyone has got the money to be a season card holder. Our job is to firstly get fans to come in for a game, then to get that fan to come in for several games, then to convert them into coming for at least half a season and maybe bringing people with them and then get them into uh, becoming maybe a member and then a season card holder. Um, and a membership scheme is a really good feeder platform for people who want to be associated with the club but maybe can't come to games, they may uh, live a long distance away, they may live abroad, um, but a scheme that uh, people can adhere to which gives them some benefits and I think the idea of falling behind, just in behind your season card holders so that uh, they get you know priority access after season card holders to um uh, to key games uh, and games that are likely to sell out is a is an excellent idea it's 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 not a new idea a lot of clubs do it as i say we just have these two schemes that i think have just uh, meandered along nobody's really paid them much attention if i'm being really honest and that's not a criticism of anyone 
current and, and past at the club. I think there have been other other priorities. But as we're slowly moving through with new blood coming into the commercial team and the marketing team, we're looking at all these opportunities. And that and the membership scheme is definitely on uh, on our radar. Um, it won't happen overnight, and we will take our time to and we'll probably talk to fans as well to understand what makes a good membership scheme. Should it be free of charge? If we charge for it, what are the kind of benefits fans that are interested in a membership scheme would want to see in it? Um, so there's there's a bit of work to do in it, but I would I would expect us to. That I would certainly see a brand new membership scheme being in place for next season if it isn't if it doesn't get introduced uh, at least in a test case so we can do a bit of learnings from it um, during the latter part latter part of this season. But I would certainly expect to see a brand new membership scheme or schemes um, launched for uh, in the in the close season uh, to really sort of uh, pack a punch and to bring in some some revenue, but also. The revenue is very important. I'll never get away from that. I'll always have to say that. I, I have to because it's important that we, we continue to build our revenues. But it's also to keep us engaged with those fans that can't come regularly to, to Brisbane Road. They're as, they're as important to us as our season card holders are. It's all about building the Orient family, whether they live in the USA or, or whether they live in E10. Um, and it's whether they can come to... 25 games a year on travel uh, the majority of away games or if they can only come to five games we actually still want to be able to engage with those fans uh, and continue to make them feel part of parcel of uh, of the Orient family and that they're no less important than than the rest of our fan base yeah. you know everyone's important to us absolutely agree T Raffmeister said when will an electric board with a clock and the score be introduced or will it be introduced? <laughs> Here we go. No, no, it's, it, it, it's interesting. I was I love watching the debate between Nigel Travis and, and Matt, Porter. Matt Porter. I've got yeah. Nigel, Nigel on the one hand, who, who's desperate for scoreboards to come in. Yeah. Uh, and I've got Matt, who says, do we really need to just you know, tell people what the score is? They're all capable of, <laughs> of, of, of counting the goals in both nets. So um, I'm, I'm afraid I'm, on, I'm in the camp of... I, I would preferably like to find a way of funding more than just a scoreboard and a clock but I'd like to I talked about our digital assets and one of the reasons why we brought the LED boards into the ground but a, a, having these big screens where you can run adverts as well as um, half you can run pre-match programs you can run uh, interviews and so forth they, the sponsorship opportunities there for those and it's, it becomes a very viable digital asset so we are talking to several companies at the moment about um big big jumbo screens um but of course they you know they can't be the super duper huge uh, huge ones because of the nature of our stadium but they're also slightly smaller ones that are more like a scoreboard and a clock at the very least but i'd like us to to try and have something that's a bit sexier than that. It can it can still be a clock, it can still be a scoreboard, but it can also be a digital screen as well. Um, but they all cost money, none of them are cheap, and they're getting more expensive by the day, the way the world is working at the moment. Mm. But I would like to, uh, I personally would um, like to see at least one of those, if not, and we've, we've, we've talked about installing them on the floodlights in on a, on a diagonal so that everyone inside the ground has got access to be able to see at least one of those screens um we have to also worry about you know things that are propped up on legs because of the flats that we've got in the corners as well there's a few there's a few planning issues around it nothing that i believe is insurmountable and again 
may not be for this season, but I also think, but I definitely think it's something that we will, we might find a temporary solution this uh, season because uh, we know the players quite like to have a, a, a you know, a clock as well. Um, and I, I certainly think it's something that we will see uh, at Brisbane Road, you know, within 12 months, uh, there'll be some kind of stadium clock scoreboard. As I say, I'd like to, to have, be a bit more ambitious and go for a digital screen, but uh None of them are cheap, so we have to... Yeah. With everything else that's going around the stadium, we've got to prioritise our capital expenditure. We want to improve match day um, experience, but also having seen uh, having seen some of the uh, issues around the East End at half-time yesterday, I do think we've got to come up with some creative solutions over there. Um, what What is more important? Everyone will have a different opinion on it. If we could do it all, we would. But everything, you know, everything costs money, and we've just got to come up with a priority list as we, mm. as we, yeah, slowly but surely make improve further improvements to the stadium. I wasn't thinking of anything as fancy as a screen, to be honest, but just a scoreboard like what the digital boards, the ad boards that we've got now, obviously on a slightly smaller scale, fitted to the north and the and the south stand um, where we used to have some advertising and and just have that sponsored with a static thing but no you've got much grander ideas than that so that's that's, yeah, that's really good. good Gorillas 1985 asked about International Day so obviously we had Nigel Travis on uh, a few times before International Day talking about it and he suggested it had gone well in terms of the pre-sales but how did the actual day go Mark did it, did it do what it was set out to do uh, I, 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 look, it, it was a great day. All the guys that came over, we had people from the, mainly from the states. We had some people from Ireland. We had the, the, we had the three or four com, uh, countries represented, uh, and everyone had a fantastic day. And one of the things that we're incredibly lucky with at, at the club is that we do have this in, very engaged board that I mentioned earlier. Nigel is happy um, to talk Orient and to be really open and honest and frank about the club and the challenges and aspirations and so forth. But I come back to, you know, we had several senior players there. We had players from the women's team there and um, and Richie and Martin Ling. And they were very, very engaging, funny, amusing. And all of, the, all of our international fans went away very happy. I think there are things we can... Um, and we, we, to be honest, it was a great success for the people that came. And we've had some really complimentary um, emails back from people who really enjoyed their time... Uh, Meeting players, being able to you know go down and see the changing areas and and so forth. It's it, it was really good. The club kind of opened their doors as we as we look to build this international aspect of our fan base. I think there's even more we can do next year. I'd like to see more. I'd like to see fans from more countries represented, uh, and in places like the states where we think we can create a number of um, US-based fan fan groups because of the size of the country. The same goes for Australia. Um, Ireland, Ireland's a really key one. Ireland is our third in terms of uh, our streaming figures. Um, you get the US, Australia, and then Ireland. Um, so, you know, uh, from my knowledge of Ireland, most of the most of the, uh, the Irish football supporters tend to follow Man United or Liverpool um, or Celtic, I guess. But mm. uh, but we've got a, we've got a happy group of fans over there, and what we I really want to see our. our as I say, it, none of this is to the detriment of, of people who live locally and come regularly to games or, or, or irregularly to games. But I really do think we've um, our streaming product, it's had hiccups, but we actually invest more into our streaming product probably than any other club outside of the championship and probably including a few inside the championship. It's something that the board 
um, started before I came on board and we've continued to uh, try and really make that a, a strong product and that's what's seen our international base slowly but surely grow and I would I'd really like to see you know as I say I think there were three or four countries represented on the international day I'd like that I'd like to see that grow to five ten uh, countries represented by fans wanting to come over we know that there's good interest in Germany and Holland again it's the Premier League can leave some people feeling really cold, and you, when you come to League Two, you may not see you may not see the silky skills that you get in the Premier League. But what you get is good, old-fashioned, honest English football. And, and at our place, you know, there's more than a smattering of skill on show as well. There's also mistakes, but the atmosphere is great. Um, want that? Want uh, personally? I want the place to be even more raucous. Uh, from the home fans and you know we, I think people have seen that we've met with fan groups who want to uh, make it make it a, a louder want more songs being sung anything we can do without making it official because I think once it becomes official it becomes a bit dull and vanilla so it has to really be led by fans but we're happy to do what we can to facilitate that to, to make Brisbane Road um, an even more atmospheric ground than it already is um, so uh, it was it was a, it was a real success and we're looking to, to build on that um, next year uh, absolutely no reason why we can't as I say with the, the aspiration is to really grow that international fan base so uh, I think that that was the the second international day we've had it was significantly bitter better sorry that's not even the word I wanted to say. Bigger than the uh, the first one, uh, according uh, to Nigel. So I want it to be even bigger next year. Cool. A couple of questions around um, stuff in the club shop. Ollie Sonnenfeld asked about plans for a retro. Are there any plans for a retro Orient collection? And David Graham asked about, are there any plans to improve the range of merch in the club shop? Maybe more what he calls pocket money items and also some of the many books about our history. So sort of wrapping that all up is, is really around merchandise in the shop, retro collection, pocket money items and um, books on the history of Orient. Any sort of plans to expand on that at all? I see the shop's got bigger. The shop's got bigger. Um, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean we've got the money to just go out and buy lots more stuff to fill the space. The idea was when we... when um, we upgraded the shop was to make it more comfortable in terms of air conditioning because we understand that and it, it seems like summer is never ending in England at the moment mm -hmm. given the weather we had there on Saturday that the shop gets very hot air conditioning has been added the shop is enlarged it allows us now to have an area where on a fairly regular basis we'll have a couple of players that are, um, uh, are not playing obviously there to, to sign merchandise that's bought uh, in terms of retro the good news is that that's in hand and uh, Lucy Freeman who is in charge of retail and ticketing uh, is uh, is already talking to um, several companies about building a, a, a retro range uh, they are very very popular and we have been missing out on it and um, uh, you know Lucy works incredibly hard in that shop and we're looking for things to different things to, 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 to come in retro is definitely an area that um, we have missed out on so the good news is there is a, a, a retro range coming in um, like to think within the next few weeks we may have some in time for Christmas but certainly the other side of uh, and, and early into the new year uh, I totally get David's point about more pocket money items. I've made a note of that now, and I'll talk to Lucy about that because you know kids want 
they don't want they can't always have stuff that's 30 40 50 quid mm. i totally get the pocket money idea and i think we if we need to improve in that area it's something that i'll mention to lucy and get her to uh, to take on board so we, and we are looking to increase our we have to you know uh, we're looking at uh, all things to do with the shop. We're, now that we've in, in, enlarged it, because match days are obviously very, very important to all football clubs. Um, our footfall during the week is relatively quiet. It's still got parking problems, all that kind of uh, stuff, um, which means that we, we know we need to uh, improve our online capabilities. That's where we are likely to see real growth. And then obviously the match days will obviously will be a bit like, um, you know, sort of 23 Christmases for the, for the retail team. So online, we're looking at ways we can improve that to make it an easier customer journey, make it much more engaging. So there's lots going on with the shop. Um, it, the, the sales this year are, uh, are ahead of last year, both online and uh, in terms of footfall on on match days. Um, but they, I, I still want them to see uh, to see them grow significantly further, which I know they're capable of doing, particularly now with the extra space. So some of the things that you mentioned there are in hand. Others. Uh, I'm grateful for people coming up with the suggestions and I'll talk to um, the retail team about it. Cool. Derry, Chris asked about um, Her Game, saying as a family club, why have the O's not joined Her Game? That's an interesting one. I don't want to get into the politics of it all, but I spoke to, uh, I was asked about this a few weeks ago and I took it up with um, the, the the ladies team with Olivia Worsford and uh, uh Put simply, we will be. We, uh, we, I think we have, from a so being really candid about it, from a political point of view, we need to get involved in it. However, Olivia's uh, feedback to me was that um, the conversations had not been as positive and engaging as she thought they would be. Uh, but I, I think, despite that. It just looks odd, particularly as we're very keen to grow our our women's football section mm. if we're not involved. So we will be getting involved with her too, but it but it's not been because we've not wanted to. But in talking to, as I say, in talking to Olivia, they she she wasn't encouraged by their early conversations. So I, I, I haven't got any more detail on it. Maybe I wouldn't even go into it if I did. But I think you will see the club um, joining uh, her to and be, and working much more closely with the organisation as we move forward. Because it, it the the development of our. Uh, women's section is is a very important part of our business plan going forward, um, and seeing them grow and it's great to see that they you know getting some great results. They've won again today, um, beating Brentford B I think three uh, two. So they've had, they've got off to a really good start. We would like to have more. We'll, they'll probably play at least two more games at the stadium this season as well, um, maybe more because uh, we we you know we know how important that is to the players. Um, so. Uh, that's where we are with that. It's definitely something that the club will be getting involved in. But uh, as I say, just talking to the women's side, um, there were some issues. It wasn't they, they didn't go. The conversations didn't go quite the way Olivia thought they would do. But we will be. Uh, we, we will definitely be getting on board. Right. So uh, questions that came in on the forums. Uh, one of them, which I thought was quite interesting, because obviously we're, we're forward thinking and, and we're not reactive, we're proactive, as you said earlier. One of the questions that came in is, what's the plan of action with regards to a League One budget next season, which is rather presumptuous or not? 
No, it's it's not presumptuous because I think the club has to the club has to plan um, to be successful, particularly when you're in the position we're in. It would be naive of us to not already be uh, talking and formulating plans for what we think a budget. So we, we've already made inquiries through friends at other clubs, contacts at other clubs, whether it's at board level, whether it has been uh, CEOs that I know and trust to get a feel for the type of budgets that the Ipswiches of this world have got and the Morecams of this world have got. And you, as you can imagine, they are wide-ranging. Um, so already we're preparing full budgets. You know, what do we think we can generate commercially? What do we think our, our you know, um, our season uh, ticket numbers will be? What prices will there be? What sort of revenue will be generated right the way across the club? That helps then dictate how much we can also um, increase the, the playing budget. We know it will need to be increased. Uh, and the board have had conversations about it, so we've put some we've put some numbers in, and I'm also working through the other numbers around, uh, you know, and obviously an increased playing budget, um, the type of salaries that we would need to uh, to pay to attract players that would help us to be very competitive in League One. Our, our aspiration, I think, the club have always talked about being a top fifty club, which means that uh, you know you're, you're operating in the pretty much in the playoff zone uh, of League One if you're going to be a top 50 club and to do that you need to uh, you need to be able to keep uh, attracting um, better players and, and you know like everything they cost a bit more money so the, the short answer to that is we have to we will be planning for a League One budget and we'll also plan uh, God forbid if results were to change and fortunes were to change we would obviously need to budget uh, for for uh, remaining in league 2 but the more um, the more likely uh, promotion, whether it's automatic or in playoffs or whatever, looks likely following results, um, then you just find an emphasis shift. So my job is to talk to the board about what we feel we're going to need to increase, particularly on a playing budget. What do I think we can improve upon them? All the other revenues coming into the club, what can our current revenue streams bring? What can new revenue streams bring? Um and how that all stacks up, that gives the board an idea of uh, of the level of investment that they will uh, need to consider going in. Because even, I, I, I don't want to get too deep into this, but we, we do expect there to be, at some point over the next 12 months, a um, an agreement on redistribution of broadcast uh, fees into the football pyramid, which would obviously see the club um, generating significantly more central uh, revenue than we currently receive. We also think that uh, the next broadcast deal for the EFL uh, will be significantly higher than, than what's on the table at the moment because everything is pointing to new entrants into the market, um, uh, probably meaning that the, the price that the Football League can get for their, their rights will, will increase. That will in turn uh, also increase what comes into the club in central revenues. For the moment, though, I'm trying to budget without those and just saying, what can we do a lot better? How can we improve in this area? This is what we think we're going to need to, you know, this is a level of budget we think we need to be competitive and to keep us in, at least in the top half of League One. And then what that means in terms of uh, the investment required by, by the board. And the, the board all accept that as well. So we're planning for that. Um, should things change, then obviously 
we'll work more on a on a continuing of the League Two budget. But none of us, without counting our chickens before they hatch, and we and we certainly aren't doing that. But obviously, we want to we want to put a lot of uh, uh, proactive planning into what a League One budget would look like, um, and not just one that would see us floating around the bottom half of the, the table, but one that would make us competitive and pushing well into the top half of the table. That's great to hear. That's great to hear. We got a comment on the forum, not so much a question, but praise for the club yesterday, which is always good to share in case you've not seen it. The feedback was excellent with the face painters and Halloween sweets for the kids in the North Stand. Advertising boards seem to be attracting more external advertisers in large club shop and more products. And the Remembrance Tribute was classy yesterday, so a very satisfied fan on the forum. So it's always nice to make sure you're seeing all the good as well as the bad. So I guess the next question uh, was about plans to open up turnstiles. So saying, could turnstiles open up a little earlier if fans could gain access for the early games from 12.30? More money could be spent in the ground and food. Could need extra resources in terms of TV screens and stewardings, but just an idea. No, uh, well, uh, we currently open the, and, and this is where I've, uh, so, uh, I, I have to say I've not been happy with our marketing. Um, so the, the South Stand Bar is always open. So forget the hospitality lounges and the Legends Lounge, but the South Stand Bar always opens early for the, um, inevitably, the Premier League game that kicks off, you know, sort of 12.15 or 12.30, whatever it might be on the, before our game. We don't advertise it well enough. The bar itself is tired, old-fashioned. We've been talking to Green King, who are our pouring rights partner, who've got some ideas as to how they could work with us to improve that facility. Um, so we're looking at that. Again, I suspect that will be something that... that maybe begins to happen this season but the, the bulk of the um, the improvements will happen during the close season uh, and also the commercial guys have, have closed a deal with a company that will see more TV screens um, in and around the stadium in concourses uh, along with what's called stat boards so you will see these stat boards erected in concourses to keep people engaged in what's going on which it just a bit like top trumps they're just they're almost they're real time um, updates of data on players, both our own, the opposition, and and across football generally, just because you know fans love uh, that kind of engagement. So we've done a we've done a deal which was signed about a week ago, and so there'll be new TVs, more TVs coming in uh, in and around the stadium. Um, so again, that's that's going to that'll all start happening imminently, and I would expect a lot of that work to be done prior to Christmas. Um, and that will also allow us to do things like at the moment, if we watch, if we only can watch, uh, if we put Sky Sports on, everywhere around the ground has to watch that that channel. If we want to show something different in the lounges from what they're seeing in the concourses, we don't have that ability at the moment. With the new infrastructure coming in, we're able, we will be able to um, uh, basically. Uh, you know, show different things right the way across the ground where we think people, not everyone wants to watch exactly the same thing. Um, so it will give us just a bit of flexibility with uh, how we use our uh, our internal sort of communication. So a lot of that is happening. As I say, we do we do open the South Stand Bar um, early on match days. Uh, the, the fact that probably a lot of our fans don't realise that, and the problem with it is, of course, is that you need to be you need to be a ticket holder in the South Stand. Uh, is that I think our marketing can be better there. Um, again, I don't want to be critical of the team. They work very hard, uh, and they've got their priorities. And this probably hasn't been at the top of their list. But we um, we do open that one early and and show it. 
but there might be other ways where we can open other stands. Uh, but it does require, as, as the guy there has said, more TV screens. And as I say, we uh, we, we should be add, adding those into as where we can, where they're practical around the stadium. I'd like to think most of the work on that will be done uh, pre-Christmas. Great to hear. We had a few people ask if you could please give Richie and Paul Smith extended contracts, get them tied down. That would be great. But... Um, <laughs> Uh, we know that that's something that Martin would probably, um, that would be under his remit. A couple of questions, actually, or a couple of points, really, around the reconfiguration of where the away fans sit versus where they are now to perhaps potentially moving them to behind the goal so that then we have the whole of the East stand so that when you have, you know, sell-out games like, you know, we're selling, you know, to your point earlier about the you know, the attendance figures, that, you know, we're selling more tickets, but actually, you know, Salford bought 200 t- uh, fans yesterday, could have popped them behind the goal, made that look a little bit busier um, and and filled out the East stand a little bit more. Is there any, is there any way that that could happen? Because I know shrinking the away end as it stands now doesn't work because of the sharing of the concourses so I know there's a logistical error there a, a, a logistical element there but actually perhaps moving them to behind the goal and then having us with the whole of the east stand and then obviously opening up the director's seats and a potential other hospitality bits there as well is there any work in progress around that or is that not even on the agendas anywhere no, it's something we. So at the moment we can't. We can't. We're not allowed to fill the entire east stand because of the nature of um, yeah. the stand itself, the way it was built, the concourses are very tight. We touched on that earlier. Mm. It means we can. We only get use of eighty-five percent of that stand. That's all we're allowed under our our safety license. We push and push, and I did ask this week. We knew there weren't. It was it, two hundred. In fact, was probably fifty more than I anticipated from Salford earlier in the week, um, and I was keen. To seeing how sales were going, that we tried to uh, uh, eat into that section. I know we did it in the National League, as I understand it. The rules are slightly different in the National League than they are in the EFL, but it's very frustrating when you know that we could have sold another few hundred seats yesterday, but we're we're unable to do it. It's something our colleagues in the US just, they really struggle to to understand, you you know, that we have to offer an area that takes 1300 fans and when only 200 are coming we don't have the ability to to get our hands on those uh, uh those empty 1100 seats they they that just don't have those those things going on in, in American sports. So, well, part, partly um, the conversation that I had with the uh, with the supporter yesterday and, and saying that we would get some specialist advice in. One thing, it would be nice if we could um, we had an easy way of uh, having maybe two. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to sort of uh, go against the whole put the putting away fans behind the goal because I think they can they can have an effect on the game if they if they are very lively supporters there's a move now to have visiting fans to us to the side of a, a stadium and obviously I'd like to see them in as small an area as possible but obviously we need to there are rules that tell us we have to offer a certain percentage of our capacity to visiting supporters but we did I did want and I wanted to push to see whether we could have done something for yesterday's game um we weren't able to. Um, I think we have a safety advisory group meeting in November when we'll meet with the council and all the blue light services and so forth. And it's a constant conversation I'm having with the council to say to them, 
to be able to open, firstly, to, to be able to get back to 100% capacity in the East Stand, what is it we need to do? You know, if you tell me we need to knock the stand down and rebuild it, at least you're telling me what we need to do. But is there anything else we can do to understand how we can get our capacity up in that area? Um, then what do we need to do if, when we do have instances like this? And in League Two, and there'll be a few clubs in League One as well, where the visiting support isn't so great uh, in, in terms of numbers uh, and where we might want to be able to um, reduce the area available to them because they just simply don't need it. At the moment, we you need to, you probably know the rules, but any, um, any demarcation, visiting fans have got to have access to toilets, their own toilets. They've got to not be mingling with fans. And that's something that happened in the National League uh, days, uh, I'm told that uh, fans um, mingled in the East Stand uh, when we had uh, clubs coming from the National League. Um, we can't do that in the EFL, so we need to provide them with their own toilets, their own uh, access to uh, refreshments, uh, drinks, something to eat, and so forth. Um, there are always ways around this. I, you know, I would have been prepared to look at bringing in Portaloos, for instance. Um, and allowing away fans to use those, particularly when we only thought it was going to be 150 or so travelling from Salford, uh, which would have allowed us to have eaten into that area a bit bit more. We couldn't get that to happen. Probably the time constraints were against us, but I certainly want to see us, um, as demand for tickets in the home areas increases, as it has done over the last few weeks, uh, looking at creative ways, working with the council. We're not looking to make make it unsafe we're not looking uh, to increase the opportunity for any disorder we, we want to do it in a sensible way but i also want to explore and push the push the envelope to see how we can get our hands on 500 extra seats when we know demand um is there so uh we're looking at ways we can do it at the moment it's not straightforward because of the nature of the stand but again it's one of these problems i think you just need to come up with a creative solution to nothing's impossible some things are a bit of a, a pain in the rear to to organize but if that's all they are then they can be organized and you can you can maximize the uh, availability so we are looking at it but it's it's a difficult one because of the nature of the east stand it's not straightforward Talking about the high attendances, Mark, we had another um, question about the attendances. Because they've been so high, does that mean we are ahead of our uh, forecasted budget and income? And if so, does that income then go into the squad build for January? So, squad build for January, uh, you won't be surprised to, to hear that um, uh, Richie, Martin, members of the board uh, have already discussed, um, you know, sort of uh, areas of the, the squad that Richie would like to um, uh, improve upon and uh, the, the sort of recruitment team are working hard on some of those and getting uh, getting all the information together on the various uh, player targets that we have. So it won't necessarily affect what, what it, because the club will still lose money this year, whether, you know, my job is to, uh, is, is, that it, it loses less than was budgeted to lose. Um, and obviously, you know, the long-term plan is that the, the, the club becomes sustainable. I think that will be without redistribution of of, uh, of of TV revenues and broadcast revenues and obviously the new TV deal. I think there'll always be a degree, unless wages were to tumble, to take a tumble, which they don't show any sign of doing, um, there'll always be a degree of investment required from our from our board and members of the board. Uh, so we are... Uh, we are ahead of target in terms of our um, uh, ticket revenue. Uh, 
we're, we're not ahead of target in all our areas because some of our areas have suffered for various reasons. But uh, financially speaking, we are we're not a million miles away from our target. But certainly, ticket revenue is ahead. Retailers, I've already said, is doing really well. Commercially. We've had to take a couple of steps back because there's been changes in staff. We're now beginning to motor again, and I expect commercial to be up and to be ahead of target probably by the end of January um, with some of the deals that I think are, are, are in the pipeline with the new commercial guys and the new chief commercial officer, Mike Pink, uh, who's now been with the club sort of five or six weeks and is, and is beginning to really now um, make an impression. Uh, I think what the fan really wants to know is, are we going to be doing business in, in January? And clearly, we're already planning uh, to see what we can do to support Richie further. Uh, it would be, it, it, you know, it, would, it, it wouldn't be very sensible of a board to not be looking at, you know, when you're doing so well as we are, that's the time to try and push on and to improve the squad further. Um, but I also have to say that, that, that I come back to my earlier point, we might find people coming in for, for some of our players in January. And, don't and what that. does that mean? So Mark, I, I, I feel, need like, to make I feel sure like you're trying to say something, Mark, without saying it. I hope Sorry, you... don't say that. <laughs> no, but, but that's, but I'm, 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 I'm being candid and honest. Yeah, it, it's yeah, come back. Yeah, when the yeah, team are doing well yeah. and you've got, Let's, right. I, mean, I, I personally think we've got the most outstanding goalkeeper in the division. We don't want anyone to come anywhere near him. But when players are playing well in a team that is doing really well, it's it, it's bound to attract interest. And I'm not for a minute saying that we've had any offers. Yeah. There's been nothing like that, being absolutely candid. There's been nothing like that. But we have to assume that there will be interest in players. And we have to be uh, ready to deal with those inquiries, bat them away if um, we're not interested in them. But if, if there was interest in uh, um, something, you know, if, if there was... And if a figure was mentioned for a player and it overreached our value, our, our, our challenge is to make sure that we can reinvest uh, at least some of that money in a player that will come in and will continue to do a good job for us. And that's the bit I think that, you know, it's important that fans understand. That's the, that's the nature of the beast. That's the way football operates. The board are not looking, I categorically say, the board are not looking to let players go in January. <laughs> but the fact, yeah. of the, the fact of the matter is we're doing well. We know we've got some very talented players. It would be naive to think that, that other clubs are not, you know, you see some of the goals that are being scored week in, week out. People will be watching those with, with interest. Um, that's just the nature of the beast. So it's important that we're in a good position uh, to understand the value of our players, that no player will ever leave the club unless it's the right thing for the club and that we are, uh, we've got a plan in place to, to, to um, replace those. Hopefully... All we'll be doing in January is adding to the squad. That's the plan. You know, we the plan of the board is to get into League One as quickly as possible. That's the aspiration. So, you know, we've got to balance that up against obviously inquiries for players. And that's what makes football, you know, it's it makes it interesting. But obviously from a fan perspective, people start thinking uh, the mere fact that I've had a chat about this today now might make people a little worried. I, I think I'm trying to be really <laughs> honest with the way the football with the way the football industry works. But I, I, the bottom line is we are all fixed on making Leighton Orient as a business bigger, stronger, better. And to do that, we need to be climbing the leagues and our aspirations to get into League One. And that's what we're all you know, working bloody hard to do, really. Yeah. And, the, and the players and Richie have done a marvellous job thus far. We used to have a ground sponsor. It used to be the 
Brea Group. Do we have one at the moment since their sponsorship deal lapsed or any plans to renew that, uh, to, to, to get uh, a, a new sponsor in if we don't have one? I mean, we, I'm, I'm sure yeah. we, we haven't missed an, an announcement. No, you've got missed an announcement. We don't have one, which is why, you know, we're still, we're, we're back now calling it um, by its original name of, of Brisbane Road. Um, that is uh, that is something Mike is working on with uh, with a specialist agency that working naming rights. We know that fans love the the traditional names of clubs, mm. but again, um, our role is is to bring in as much commercial revenue as possible. One of those is naming rights. Um, what you really want to do is you really want someone that's going to be around for a number of years. You don't want to be changing the name of the stadium every year. There's a couple of clubs do that. And frankly, uh, the sponsor involved doesn't get great value out of it. So uh, Mike is working on that. He's working with an agency. That is one of his key um, pieces of our uh, of our inventory that we um, will have on the marketplace. So you've not missed anything. It's back to Brisbane Road um, for, the, for the time being. And we are... You know, again, being absolutely honest, we're in the market to bring in a new stadium rights holder. But again, my aspiration is to is to bring in uh, more for it than we were getting previously, because uh, I because I, I do think it's um, uh, I, I do think we were probably underselling ourselves. Is my uh, is is my <laughs> professional opinion on that one? Cool. Got a question on the forum, and we know some of the guys who do this. I feel a bit bad asking it, but I'll ask it anyway. The question goes, when will stewards do their job and stop the six or so fans who regularly cause an obstruction at the foot on one of the stairways in the south stand at the end of matches? So basically when the full-time whistle goes, it's you get a group of guys and fans who just stay to applaud the team but at the front of the stairs, which obviously means there's a blockade coming down and it all backs up, saying um, are there plans for stewards to actually kind of keep those stairways clear at all times because that doesn't really happen. Uh, I will. Um, my only answer to that is that I'm sorry that they're uh, they're not doing that because, from a safety perspective, they should be ensuring that those areas are, are vacated and people can't block that. That's uh, yet another thing for me to take up with the stadium team tomorrow. It's going to be a busy conversation with uh, uh, with Albie and Danny about uh, some of these issues. So that that shouldn't be happening. Hopefully not um, too busy, Mark, because otherwise we won't be allowed on again. Otherwise, I'll say no, you can't. No, yeah, Mark definitely can't come back on the podcast. <laughs> those boys have got the worst. No, out no, of if, if, if it's a safety thing look safety is obviously really really important to us we know that fans want to stay and, and as I say the whole engagement uh, lots of fans now stay till the players have done their uh, their walk around each of the stands and which is great uh, but, it, but it has to be great tempered with it not being unsafe and if people are trying to leave the stadium and are being held up by fans doing that we've got to find a better way of doing that and the stewards to quote uh, do have to do their jobs better in that sense and do it in the right way because what, you, what you're really talking about is people who just want to, you know, sort of show this, their additional support for the players. Um, just done in the right way. There's absolutely no way you speak to people reasonably. Generally speaking, people uh, people will respond positively. So I'll, I'll pick that up with them and I'll get them to look into that and uh, see, see how we can improve that. Much obliged. Uh, coming to the end of our, our questions now, but another one I'm actually quite keen to 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 be uh, to hear this as well is about the Wimbledon tickets. Now, obviously, that game's been rearranged from the original point. Uh, there are some people that now can't go. I think there was a day when some people had an opportunity to return tickets to the club for them to be resold. Uh, others are sort of mates are selling it to their mates because they now can't go, but no others that can. Is there any? 
kind of resale situation that likely to facilitate fans that can now go to that game like me, for example. So slightly selfish uh, <laughs> point here, but I didn't raise this question, but it is is worth asking. And and sort of you know, refunds to those that have return tickets. Obviously, that's that's that situation. But in terms of tickets available now for fans that can go that couldn't previously go, how do we get hold of new ticket? Uh, how do we get hold of tickets? So I think I, uh, um, my answer to you there is I will talk to the ticketing team tomorrow because obviously you know anyone who um, anyone who now can't make the rearranged game is is perfectly entitled to a refund. And we would ask people to refund those tickets as as soon as possible if they decided they're unable to make the the, uh, the new date to allow for exactly this so that they can be resold to people who now can go or who are looking for extra tickets. So I will um, I'll talk to the ticket office and we will come out with some comms about uh, the ticket availability following what I'm sure will be a number of refunds given the change in dates and, and circumstances, particularly at going from a from a Saturday to a Tuesday night will make it more difficult for certain people and better for others. Uh, so we'll come out with some comms this week as to uh, ticket availability following refunds that have been requested already. Okay, cool, because it's, ne- it's not this week. It's obviously it's a week on Tuesday. So It's, it's, a, it's a week on Tuesday, yeah. 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 Cool. So finally, Mark, those are all the listener questions. One more question from us. To you, so we as we sit here, thirtieth of October, seven months into the job, you are uh, the O's sit amazingly top of League Two, nine point cushion over Swindon with a game in hand. It's all very very rosy at the moment. What's your message or your closing message tonight <laughs> to the Orient fans? <laughs> Uh, well, firstly, I just want to thank everyone for uh, for, for the fantastic support. I know it's uh, all clubs all clubs try to say it, but the support home and away has been has been uh, sensational. Really, the uh, the support uh, the players have really felt it, and uh, and there have been times we've all seen it where the players it hasn't quite clicked. Uh, the fans have stayed with the team. There's been uh, there's been no uh, edginess about the uh, uh, about the supporter base. They've you know when the ball hasn't gone forward, when people and it's gone sideward, um, you know uh, the fans have just stayed with the team, and it's it is particularly important that we're all in it together. Uh, during the tough times it's always very easy to uh, get overexcited about uh, when we're winning things and things are going well so one I thank the fans both for their their numbers this year for introducing new fans we've seen that on our CRM system we've got new fans being brought in by current fans who are obviously encouraging friends to keep please keep doing that because I think there's a there's a building story down at Orient slowly slowly the club is really beginning to um, uh, to rise again, and I think it, you know we're we're at the start of a new journey, and I think the players that we've got and the manager we've got, uh, it's been a, a fantastic. They, they've been fantastic. The support's been fantastic. I think it, keep our feet on the ground. Um, you know there there will be some bumps along the way. We will lose a few games, and then we'll get back into a winning mode. And I would just ask people for their patience. Every team will hit a bumpy patch. And uh, as I said, uh, to reiterate it, it's it's sticking together when we hit those bumps. Uh, we're not going to win every game as much as we'd like to. Take every game as it comes. That's what the, that's what we're drumming into the um, to the players because uh, you know sometimes you can see when uh, we get a bit ahead of ourselves. So we're all really focused on trying to achieve success this year, and we we all know what success means to the club. Um, I would just thank the fans for for their support and for sticking with the, the the team when it when it has been tough. Thank them for giving all of us behind the scenes a um, 
lots of gentle reminders about things we can improve. <laughs> Please keep letting us know how we can improve. We know we're far from perfect. Uh, so it's just really a, a big thank you. And just don't get carried, don't get too carried away with things. It's going fantastically well at the moment. As I say, we're bound to hit a bumpy patch, stick at it. And uh, I really think we can all be successful this season. You know, fingers crossed that that's, uh, we're going to put smiles on everybody's face come, come uh, next May. Mark, you mentioned people contacting you. What's the best way that someone could contact Mark Devlin? What's the best way to get in touch with you, Mark? Uh, they, they, they can come through either the inquiries email at the club or they can contact me directly, uh, my email at the club. Um, so uh, email's probably the best way. Uh, I, you know, um, I try and make sure that I use the, uh, the email system in a way that I try to respond to everyone as quickly as possible because obviously then you, it tends to uh, get forgotten if I don't deal with it straight away. At least that's the way I try to deal with it. Some slip through the net. If you don't hear from me, if people email me and they haven't had a response from me for seven days, please feel free to remind me. It means at that stage it probably has slipped through the net and I, will, I do try to answer everybody, even if it isn't giving them the answer they're looking for, I do at least try to pay everyone the courtesy of giving them a response. Wow, thank you very much indeed, Mark Devlin, um, for giving up so much of his Sunday evening. I think that's far exceeded the amount of time <laughs> that we thought Mark would be able to to devote to us, and that's coming in at nearly an hour and a half. So because of that, we've decided, we've made an executive uh, decision here that we're going to put this out as a standalone episode. So actually, this now stops becoming episode 299 or has stopped becoming episode 299. And that will be next week where we'll do a roundup for the Gillingham game and also Saturday's game against Salford. We'll put that all in to next week where we've got crew in the FA Cup. And speaking of crew in the FA Cup, the Supporters Club are running coaches there, thankfully, and very kindly sponsored by the football club to get fans there because of the lack of trains uh, on the day. Um, so next Saturday, the 5th of November, we're off to crew for the first round proper of the FA Cup. Uh, there's no cost for coaches there but you do need to register your interest or book your seat through the supporters club as normal you can't just turn up um, for that uh, they're leaving the supporters club at half past eight there is also a pickup at the Marriott Hotel for those that would like or is easier for them to get to the Marriott because of parking arrangements are easier there than, than the tube strikes affecting the underground so people getting to late might be difficult uh, there is a pickup at the Marriott Hotel in Waltham Abbey but when you phone to book your seat you need to tell them that you want to pick up there uh, so uh, can you please do that the number that you need to know is 07507 539 so just to reiterate that point coaches are free to crew next week for the FA Cup game there is a pickup option at the Marriott Hotel Waltham Abbey but you need to contact the travel line before Wednesday the 2nd of November to get yourself picked up from the Marriott otherwise get yourself as normal to the supporters club the coach leaves at half past eight lovely stuff so sponsorship reminder don't forget if you're thinking of moving house keep in your own family save yourself a few quid by using trusted estates agents town and country harlow you can call them on 01279 883444 or 07528471497 or by contacting the guys on twitter at tnc harlow or getting in touch with charlie underscore Paul so that is it thank you for joining us for what was supposed to be episode 299 but which is now, now turned in <laughs> to 
the Mark Devlin Orient Outlook podcast special. Which we hope you found insightful. There were many questions that we didn't get to answer, ask, sorry, um, and put to Mark. He did give his email address, so if you feel that your question needs to be answered you're, you're more than welcome we're sorry that we couldn't um, get every single question in you could hear how thorough and comprehensive Mark was being uh, well beyond our expectations and, and again we're very grateful to Mark for doing that we certainly are so if you're listening on iTunes please subscribe give the podcast a 5 star rating if you've got 103 5 star reviews on iTunes you can also rate the show on Spotify we have 57 reviews so please feel free to rate the show if you can do that. We are also on SoundCloud, TuneIn, Stitcher, Amazon's Echoes. We're also on FanHub. So listening to the podcast has never been easier. And you have, have an old relative, a loved one, or an orange chum who you think will like the podcast, grab their phone and download it for them and pass the pod. A massive, massive thank you to Mark Devlin. A massive thank you to everyone at the club for being able to start this interview. It doesn't go unnoticed and we are very grateful for that. So we'll be back with episode 299 next week, with all the information and views that you could ever need. So we look forward to hearing from you. And as always, keep calm, stay safe, have a great week, and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. Up the O's.